Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. Well, awesome. I'm so excited. Well, take out those notes. We are in part three of our series on the miracles of Jesus. We are looking at the 37 different miracles that Jesus performed throughout the Gospels. And my desire in this series is that these miracles will become alive in your life and let you understand that the same Jesus that did the miracles back then, he is the one that died, rose from the grave, and now can do a miracle in your life. And so we've seen it happen already. We're hearing reports about it happening. And I'm really excited about the miracle we're going to talk about today. It is Palm Sunday, and you would expect a Palm Sunday message, and this is not the Palm Sunday service. So if you would like to hear about the Palm Sunday message, you can go to my last five years of preaching on Palm Sunday and see the story about Jesus riding in on the donkey. I feel like I have a word from God for you today. So um, I want you to take out your notes because uh, the Lord really challenged me on giving a message today on calming the storm, calming the storm. And I think about what's going on in the world today. I think about the, the school shootings and the tornadoes that's broken out and the wars that are happening. And there's just so much chaos. And when I was looking at the life of Jesus, I thought, what a perfect miracle to declare over your life of how to have peace and a miracle in the midst of your storm. Can I hear an amen today, church? Um, if you are not from Florida, then you don't know what I'm about to talk, why I'm about to say this, because in Florida, we know what it's like to have perfectly blue skies. I mean, it seems like the birds are chirping. It's amazing. Nothing could go wrong. And you're sitting out there at the beach with your family. You're like, this is so fun. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to see the best sunset ever. And then all of a sudden, these clouds will roll in. It's a Florida thing. I don't know how it happens, but it can be blue skies. And then within a matter of like a couple minutes, torrential downpour can happen. How many have gotten caught in it at least once? It's like life in Florida. We had it happen. But before we launched the church, we decided to take our little launch team. There's about 30 of us go down to Curtis Hickson Park and do an outside worship gathering over our city. We were all excited. And so this is the, on, in August, one month before the church launched in 2013. And so we got our team together and we didn't realize that you don't do events outside in Florida in August. Nobody told me. So we're down there, we're worshiping. We get one song in and we're praying, God, open up the heavens. We didn't... <laughs> We didn't understand what was happening in the spirit realm. It was also happening in the natural. And the downpour happened. And some of our team was there. I know some of the St. Pete campus and some of those in North Tampa, y'all were there. I remember we, we, it turned in from a worship gathering to a save our equipment gathering. This is all equipment we had bought on Craigslist because we were cheap. Come on, somebody. And it, it was a wild experience. Storms can come out of nowhere. And you know this with life, because life can be great, and then all of a sudden, the storm comes into your, your job getting lost, or maybe it looks like a, your relationship gets all messed up. A diagnosis is given that you never expected. Your parents who you thought had a great relationship split up. The anxiety all of a sudden returns. Your kids start to struggle. Storms happen to us all. So what do we do? What do we do when we're in the midst of the storms of life? Well, I want to give you some hope today to let you know that Jesus addressed storms and showed us how to deal with them. We're going to look, and if you have your Bibles today, and we're going to go verse by verse through it in Matthew chapter 8. And we're going to look at the story of how Jesus calmed the storm. 
And I really feel like it's a message for some people who are going even into this new month with just so many storms in their life. And I'm gonna show you how Jesus calmed the storm. This is a great story. It's mentioned in three of the four gospels. The three gospels it's mentioned in are called the synoptic gospels is what theologians call it. It's called synoptic because they're the similar gospels. Most of the stories are in all three of these. It's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John is kind of an anomaly in and of itself. So this story is in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We're gonna look at it in the book of Matthew, a little bit in the book of Mark, and I'm gonna pull some truths out of it. To give you a little bit of the background of it, Jesus had been teaching on the mountainside. We talked about it a couple weeks ago where the miracle happened there. But this is where he's giving the, the Sermon on the Mount. He's giving great teaching. And then the Bible gives us a phrase in chapter 8, verse 1, that I'll start with, I think is important. It says, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. Now, I think we should just pause there for a second and understand that Jesus didn't follow the crowd. Like, that's important. It's not like, hey, crowd, what, what do you want me to do next? I wrote it down in your notes this way. Jesus was never led by the crowd. He was led by the Spirit. And if you want to live a life of significance, then you need to understand that you need to be led by the Spirit. It's not about what your family wants you to do, which, what your friends want you to do, what culture wants you to do. It's what's the Spirit telling us to do. And I love this through the life of Jesus. Is none of his travels made sense. Like if it was me and there's a giant crowd, I'm sticking around. But Jesus said, the Spirit says, no, it's time to go. You go. And we, we are led by the Spirit. And from being led by the Spirit, Jesus encounters some incredible miracles that are needed in people's lives. We see in the next verse where there's a person with leprosy came and knelt before him. Leprosy was a gross, horrific disease, highly contagious in that part of the world. And everybody would run from you if you had leprosy. You were ostracized. But Jesus didn't run from them. He walked towards people who were sick, towards people who are broken. I find it interesting. I wrote it down this way. In the Old Testament, you touch a leper, you became unclean. But in the New Testament, you touch a leper and they become clean. That's the power of God in our life. Can I hear a better amen, church? So Jesus encounters these miracles, shows the power of God. In the next few paragraphs, we see healing sprees happening. We see the centurion's servant being healed. We even have a moment where Jesus walks into Peter's house and his mother-in-law is sick. And Jesus goes and heals her. You know, Peter was like standing in the way like, hey, you don't have to do every miracle, Jesus. No, that's not in there. Sure, he loved his mother-in-law, right? It's a joke. I love my mother-in-law, by the way, if she's watching this message. Demons being uh, delivered out of people's lives. They're packed full of miracles. And then we get to verse 23. That's where I want to get today. Miracle after miracles happening, and then Jesus leads the disciples yet again. Verse 23, and he got into a boat, and his disciples followed him. Let me just pause there right now because if I was the disciples, I'm like, why are we going in the boat? I thought we're here. Like, this is where, this is where, the, this is where the stories are at. This is where the miracles are happening. Hey, Jesus, we're, why are we going off by ourselves? Like, the crowd's over here, but they followed Jesus into this boat. And here's the question I want to ask you. It's right there in your notes. Are you following Jesus? Like, I get it that you're in it for some miracles sometimes, and you're in it for the, the big moments, and I get it that you're here for the Sunday morning, but I, I want to know throughout the rest of the week, are you living a life that's willing to get in the boat with Jesus throughout the rest of the week? When nobody else is seen, when it's not posted on Instagram, when people aren't writing about it, it's, are you still living a life where you're following Jesus? They, they ha had to make a decision that we're going to follow him even if it doesn't make sense. 
I love how Mark describes this passage, the same exact passage. It says like this in Mark chapter four, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. Like, like we're going in the boat with Jesus. Look at that one phrase right there on the screen. It says, just as he was. Let me tell you, I read that this last week and just popped off the screen to me, popped off the page to me like this. That's the problem with American Christianity is that we want Jesus to be like we are instead of who he is. Like, like we're willing to follow him no matter what it costs us, how difficult it is, no matter what it's gonna mean in our life, we're not gonna make of Jesus in our image, we're gonna follow him and do it his way, not our way, can I get a better amen today, church? So, so you have to make a conscious decision, I'm, I'm following Jesus with my life. And salvation happens, I wrote it down this way, when we put our faith in Christ, we get that. And if you've never made that decision today, you can make it today at the end of the service. But true discipleship, true life change happens when you really decide, I'm gonna follow Jesus. I'm gonna follow him. I'm gonna make a decision to go all in on this thing outside of just Sunday, outside of just a Wednesday night experience. I'm gonna follow Christ. What I believe in for Radiant Church is that we're raising up a group of people who are not just in it for the crowd experience, but when Jesus calls them alone, onto the boat, by himself, you're willing to say, wherever Jesus is at, that's what I'm gonna follow. That's what I've given my life to. Can I get a better amen today, church? So they follow him. I love how Tim Keller says this, discipleship is not an option. You think you're gonna be in this thing for just a hand raise? You've missed out on what Christianity's all about. Discipleship's not an option. It says, look what, look what it says. It says, but, um, it says, Jesus says that if anyone would come after me, he must follow me. This is a conscious decision to say, I'm following Jesus. Billy Graham says to be a disciple is to be committed to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and committed to him, following him every day, every single day. Like, like God cares who you are on Thursday as much as who you are on Sunday. Like it's an everyday thing. I love this. To be a disciple is also to be disciplined in our bodies, our minds, and our souls. So it's not like I have this Christian version of me and then I have this, this, this group in, in my workplace version of me and then I have my social life version of me. No, it's every part of you. It belongs to God. We're fully devoted to him. I love how C.S. Lewis says it. He says, until you have given up yourself to him, you will not have a real self. Like you gotta go all in. Jesus is calling you on the boat. You say, God, I'm willing to follow you wherever you tell me to go. And then verse 24 happens. Suddenly, say suddenly. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake. So the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. I, I, I think it's interesting that suddenly, let me give you a little behind the scenes of this, because this is happening on the area called the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is the second lowest body of water on planet Earth. It sits at 700 feet below sea level. So it's got this body of water below sea level, and then it's got these mountain range that go around it. So the cold air off the mountain range creates these storms that it could be a beautiful day, and then all of a sudden, the storm will roll off the mountains, and it goes right on there, and it can create 10-foot waves. Now, we experienced this. Now, a few years ago, right before COVID, we took about 120 of you guys to Israel. We're doing it again next year. It's gonna be awesome. That's our group right there on the Sea of Galilee having a good time right before the rain came down. <laughs> you're on that trip, you remember? We're out there worshiping, it's awesome. And then it starts storming like crazy. That's what it's like. And it's all beautiful, it's all awesome. And it's so cool. We had such a good time last year. 
But that's what life is like on there. That's what it is. It's, it's this moment where everything's calm, everything's easy, everything's great, and then all of a sudden, storms come in. Your life is radically changed, and that's what some people are dealing with right now. I've realized in life, when it comes to storms, there's three groups of people. There's people that are in a storm right now, and you know who you are. You know the pain that you're dealing with. You know the trial that you're in. There's others who just got out of one, and you're just experiencing the blue skies and the relief that you, are got, you just got out of it. And you need to be thankful. And then there's others who are heading into the storm and you have no clue. (laughs) That's the three groups. Because that's the reality. The reality comes to us all. Find it very interesting that Jesus told them to get into a boat knowing the boat would go into a storm. He's God. He knew everything that would happen. And he led them even into the storm. I don't think God causes the storms in your life. But I do think he'll lead you into the storm because there's a purpose in it. There's a reason in it. There's something behind it. And the Bible says, while they're in this storm, Jesus is sleeping. Now, I didn't get this because I've read this for years and years and years. I remember hearing it in Sunday school. And I had this picture of Jesus at like the bow of the ship and he's sleeping. I always pictured it based off like the, the ship that was in like the Little Mermaid or Peter Pan. Y'all remember like, like this ship? Come on, that's what I always picture. They're on the sea and they're, they're there, and the disciples are on like the top, and the, the, the top deck, and they're, they're working this thing, and the waves are going, and Jesus is down there at the bottom, just, just resting on his nice bed. That's what I always pictured it up. The problem with it is, is that's totally made up. That's not the story. The story is that they're in this first century little fishing boat, and so you go to Israel, you can see the fishing boats, and they're not some big ship. They actually look just like that. So when you're looking at the boat, you're realizing that Mark tells us there was multiple boats, so you don't even have all the disciples in one boat. You have a few disciples in Jesus in that boat because there's not room for a lot of people in there. And this boat's small. Like, let me just give you some encouragement from this. That means that while the storm's going on, Jesus is sitting right there next to them. Can I just look at the camera across all of our campuses? Jesus isn't far from you while you're in a storm. It's not like he's abandoned you and gone into some random room by himself and goes, well, I'm just gonna relax while they deal with all of this. Jesus is right next to us, sitting right next to us in the midst of our storms that we're in right now. And why? Why would Jesus be next to us in the middle of the storm? He's next to us because he knows how important the storm is in your life. And he knows the potential of the storm. Remember, Jesus is led by the Spirit, We're following Jesus, who's led by the Spirit. So Jesus is bringing them into a storm because he knows into the storm, something's gonna happen inside of them that they need to happen to them. I wrote it down this way. I want you to get it. If you don't get anything else, get this. Ready? Christians aren't exempt from storms. But they are exempt from storms with no purpose. So if you feel like you're in the middle of one right now, I want you to know there's a purpose behind it. There's some reason behind it because I actually believe it is storms are really the fitness, the spiritual fitness strategy of the believer. Like like God's desire for your life is to make you strong in your faith. Strong in your faith. And the problem with it is, is we like the moments that just happened in chapter eight where we're seeing miracle after miracle and we're seeing blind eyes open and leprosy cleansed and we're like, woo! And Jesus says, those things will wow you, but they won't strengthen you. They won't strengthen you. Those, those mountaintop moments, oh, they're good for us, but they're not the thing that makes us stronger. 
It's those dark kind of moments in the storm that'll strengthen us to be who God's called us to be. Spurgeon says it this way, storms help to make the sailors sturdy and trials help to make Christians strong in their faith. I want you strong in your faith. I think the problem with so much of Christianity today is we have some weak, flimsy, kind of back and forth Christians. The storm comes and they go, oh, it's all over. God must be mad at me. God's not mad at you. God's trying to strengthen you. God's trying to make you stronger. God brought you into it. And by the way, he didn't just bring you into it. He's in it also with you. Like that's good news for us. If God sent us into the storm and like kicked the boat out and just like, all right, enjoy it. Then I'm gonna have a problem with him. Like, hey, 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 listen, if I'm gonna go through it, come through it with me. Jesus is on the boat with them. Why? Because he knows there's a test that's gonna happen in this water that's gonna be significant to where they're going. Let me tell you, they just saw miracles. They're gonna walk into more miracles. In between the two miracles are normally a season of some storms that'll make you stronger so that you can again see all the potential that God has for your life next. But it takes some moments. It takes a season to say, God, I'm okay with the testing right now. But James says it this way, because you know that the testing of your faith, that's what produces perseverance. It's the storms in life. It's the difficult seasons in life. It's when things are not going your way. It's when you didn't get the promotion. It's when the finances are struggling. It's when the kids are not acting up right. It's in those moments that you're in a storm that God's saying, hey, recognize I'm with you in it. I'm next to you in it, and listen, we're going to get to the other side, but there's something for you to learn in the middle of it. What are we supposed to learn in the middle of it? Look what it says in verse 24. It says, suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake, so the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. Now, I don't know about you. You gotta, again, all right, so I'm trying to help you with these stories to put them into context. So you're in the boat. There's few of you. There's three or four of you and Jesus, okay? And we're in the boat, and the waves are going over the boat, and it's crazy. you got your little bucket, and you're, like, kind of getting the wet water out. As the thing, this boat's going under. This is a mess. This is a, I can't believe it. I can't believe we were, why didn't we stay on the mountainside? Why didn't we say that's where the fish were multiplied? That's where good stuff was happening. Now we're in this season, and it's tough. Come on, some of y'all, that was like 2020. You're like, God, you were great in 2019. And then we're in the middle of this storm and it's all going under. Some of you, you're, you just have this moment where you're sitting there going, why in the world, what's going on right now in this moment? And then they look over and Jesus is just sleeping. Can you imagine the disciples looking at each other as they're yelling at each other, get the water out, get the water out. Jesus, get the, just wake up, Jesus. What are you doing? What are you doing? We're, we're drowning here, and he's sleeping. Somebody, get him up. Come on, let's, at least we need another set of hands. Let him solve this thing. I was reading this this last week, and I was like, man, isn't, doesn't Jesus have the posture that we're all supposed to have in the midst of storms? Like in the middle of all of it. Like Jesus shows us the ultimate posture of someone who's led by the Spirit of God. 
So I wrote it down this way, okay? When it comes to your life, when it comes to the storm, ready? You can freak out only if Jesus is freaking out. You can stress if Jesus is stressed about your issue. You can panic all you want as long as Jesus is panicking. But if he's staying calm and restful and at peace in this moment, then I want you to know that's what we're called to live as as believers also. And I know our world is in turmoil and I know it's crazy right now, but I'm telling you as followers of Jesus, one of our greatest testimonies to a lost and broken world is that while everything's falling apart, we're just walking around going, how are you doing? Amazing. Do you not see the news? I know. They're like, are you crazy? Maybe. I just, I just got peace. Well, you just lost your job. I know, but Jesus is on my boat. He's on my boat. I, I know. That, that, that person just walked out. I, let me tell you, anybody can get off my boat as long as Jesus is on my boat. As long as Jesus is on the boat, it's all good. I, I think we just, we've got to be okay with the fact that if Jesus is at rest, we're at rest in our souls also. In the middle of all that chaos and craziness, we can just be at rest. Jesus says it like this in John 14. He says, peace I leave with you. Peace is not a part of who he is. It is him. We, we get him. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. The world gives peace when things are good. Let me tell you, the world only experiences peace when everything is blue skies. But not us as believers. We have peace in the midst of the storms we're going through right now. We have peace because we know that God's doing a great work and we're not going to let our hearts trouble. We're not going to be frustrated in this moment. We're going to experience peace in this moment because God's doing something behind the scenes. We can have peace in the midst of it. And that's my prayer, even as we close out this message in a few minutes. I'm praying that as the storm rages around you, that there's peace within your soul because Jesus is on your boat. And you, 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 you can have this. And by the way, and you know that you're getting stronger the whole time too. Some of y'all, some of y'all have to get be, just be okay with the fact that God is using the storm to get you stronger than ever before. Like, for instance, some of y'all, you started this year like, God, let this be the year that you strengthen my faith. You asked for it. You asked for it. Like, you asked for it. Like, you're in the middle of the answer to your prayer. Because God's getting you stronger. He's building your faith. He's bringing you peace. And why? Because there's going to be other things that happen in the future that they had no clue the real storms that were going to take place in the next few chapters. But they had to go through this one right now to learn to experience peace, to learn to get stronger in the middle of it so that they could really accomplish what God wanted to accomplish through their life. It's the season. It's why God's got you in the place you're in right now. Verse 25, look what it says. So the disciples went and woke him and said, Lord, save us. It's about time somebody did that. I mean, those three words right there. I'm just wondering how long it was that they're trying to get water out of the boat, freaking out before someone finally says, Jesus is on the boat to save us. Jesus, Lord, save us. Lord, save us. I wrote it down in your notes this way. Ready? Spiritual maturity can be measured by how quickly one moves from panic right into peace. 
Everybody's like, well, you're spiritually mature because you know the Bible more, or you can sing more songs, or you serve more. I'll tell you, real spiritual maturity is when the storm's going on in your life, how quickly does it take you to experience the peace from God? How quickly does it take you? And I'll tell you, as, as, a, as a follower of Jesus, I've failed in this many times, even just about three weeks ago. There was an issue we were dealing with in the church and uh, some problem I was trying to solve. And it was so much bigger than me, I can't figure it out. It's frustrated me. So at a moment, at about 3 a.m., where I woke up with panic, and, and, and you're a human being. We've all experienced this. And I woke up with this panic, and I had this panic going, oh, my gosh, how am I going to solve this problem? So I sat there, and, and instead, I should have prayed. I should have done, you know, I should have uh, just gone back to sleep. But no, I was, I'm going to solve this problem because I'm going to do it. And so I take out my phone, and I start trying to figure out how to solve the problem. And I'm writing all these notes out, and it's 3 a.m. And I'll tell you, honest, this is just us today. I'll just, I'll just tell it. I said a few thousand people around the world. All right, so it was, it was 90 minutes from 3 a.m. to about 4.30 in the morning before I got the bright idea I probably can't solve this. I need to give it to Jesus. 90 minutes. And then I had a moment at 4.30 in the morning where I felt overly convicted about why did it take me so long to pray about this? And haven't we all done the same thing? Haven't we all had this moment where we go, I'm gonna solve this problem. I'm gonna fix it. I'm gonna make it better. And God's saying, the storm's raging around you. Just turn to me and ask me for some help. I can help get you through this. I love how David prays it in Psalm 42. He says, why my soul are you downcast? Like, why are, you, why are you so defeated right now? Why are you disturbed within me? And then he says this statement. He's almost speaking to himself. He says, put your hope in God. I've come to declare it over some people at Radiant Church across Tampa Bay and just say this. Let me tell you, your soul is downcast. You feel like your boat's going under. And let me just tell you, put your hope in God. You can praise him. He is your savior. He is your God. And he can get you through it. Can we give him some praise today, church? That's the God that we serve. Put your hope in God during this time. And that takes a little bit of faith. And here's what faith is, ready? Faith is the ability to expect a miracle in the midst of the mess that you're in. And I love that. I, I love that the disciples finally turned to Jesus and said, whoa, if this thing's going under, I bet Jesus can save us from it. And that's what faith is. Faith is just saying, I'm just gonna trust God that in the middle of this, God can turn this thing around. And I believe he can do it in your life. Matthew 8 says it this way. You have little faith. And he goes on, verse 26. He says, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then what did Jesus do? Jesus got up. He rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. One act of faith, one moment of turning to Jesus, Jesus steps up and speaks one phrase, and the whole thing changes. It all starts with somebody saying, I'm not going to live in fear any longer. I'm going to live in faith in this moment. The boat seems to be going under, but I'm going to turn to Jesus because Jesus is on my boat. He, he can bring me through it. And it's that one act of faith. And you go, well, I, I think it's important that Jesus didn't say ye of no faith. He said ye of little faith. You see, we look at that as a degrading phrase. I'm telling you, I think Jesus says, let me tell you, what you had, I could use. Jesus can use our little faith. Some of y'all are waiting to get great faith to do great things from God. And I want you to know, little, big miracles are the result of little faith in your life. Jesus says it this way in Matthew chapter 17, very truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move because nothing will be impossible to you. That's for us as believers, nothing is impossible. 
So I looked it up. I said, well, how big is the mustard seed? Because I want to know. How, like, I want to know how much faith it takes to move mountains in our life. So I found the, the picture. Here it is. Right, that's a mustard seed faith right there. That's a mustard seed. That, that's how little of a faith, that's how small it is. Which, by the way, that mustard seed can grow into this tree right here. I think it's that tree right there. That's how significant a little bit of faith is in your life. So I want you to know, you don't have to have great faith to experience great things from God. It starts with little faith to just say, in the middle of this trial, in the middle of this battle, in the middle of the storm, God, I'm going to turn to you. Let me just say it this way. It's radiant, ready. Little faith is where we start, but little faith is not where we should stay. And that's why he's got you in the storm. Because every time you go through a storm, you get a little bit more faith to say, oh, if God brought me through that, he can bring me through the next one and through the next one. And I'm not going to be, you know, Debbie Downer today, but there's storms coming. There's storms coming in our nation. There's storms coming around the globe. There's storms coming in your life that you have no clue that are going to be there. And I'll tell you what God wants, needs from you right now. He just needs a little bit of faith to just say, God, when those storms come or when they're in the middle of it, I'm going to turn to you right now. And Jesus can calm the storm both internally and in the world that you're in today. He is still the God that can calm storms. The passage ends, and I want you to see it. I think it's so crazy. Because it ends, Jesus rebukes them, and uh, they respond with, the men were amazed. And they asked, how did Jesus calm the storm? I wonder how this power happened scientifically. They didn't say that. They brought the attention and they said it, what kind of man is this? That even the winds and the waves obey him. Radiant, can I end this message by just saying this? Never lose your awe of Jesus. Never lose your awe of the fact that he is the focal point of every single thing that we should do. Even when the great miracles happen in your life, the miracles are not the focus, he's the focus of it all. And these disciples, in the midst of an incredible miracle where Jesus spoke and the 10-foot sea stopped. In that moment, they looked at it and they go, who is this man? Never lose your awe of him. I, I wrote it down this way because they, they, they even had this moment where they go, man, the, the, the waves obey him, the, the winds obey him. Like, of course, we've got to live a life that is submitted like everything else is submitted. And I wrote it down this way, don't pursue in your life the supernatural. Because so many people are like, I want this, I want this. Pursue surrender. And in moments where you need something that's supernatural, you pursue surrender. And here's what's great, ready? Because when you surrender, it's the supernatural becomes natural in your life. You get to experience the natural. Because now we're submitted, just like the winds and waves are, to a supernatural God that can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask, think, or imagine. Can we give them better praise than that today across Tampa Bay? feel like it was a word for somebody today. It's in the midst of a storm. So I want you to close your eyes all over whatever campus you're at right now. Because I think there's a moment where the Holy Spirit's going to bring you supernatural peace. Jesus is on your boat. You go, well, I can't figure out this business deal. And I can't, I can't figure out how to rest, how to get these kids back following the Lord. And I can't figure it out when it comes to my workplace and it comes to the anxiety. I can't figure out. I want you to know Jesus is on your boat. 
I know Jesus is there and he's at peace and he can bring you peace right now. So don't pursue the supernatural that you need. Pursue the surrender that you need to the one who can do more than you ever could think or ask or even imagine. Just right there in your seat. I want Will, I want you to sing it over them in this moment right now. I will trust in only you. Come on, make it a declaration. I'm going to trust only him. No one can add to your perfection. You're the beginning and the end. More than I can comprehend. There is no one like you. Come on, say it out. I'm going to trust only you. No matter the storm, no matter the hard time. No one can add to your perfection. You're the beginning and the end. More than I can comprehend. There is no one like you, no one. Just with everybody across every location, I want you to stand your feet. Nobody moving around. Can we just have a moment right now? The Spirit of God is in this room. Man, I know that some of y'all are in the greatest storm of your life. You feel like the boat's going under. I want you to know the boat's not going to go under. Jesus is on that boat with you. And I just think we need a moment right now where we finally just cry out to Him like the disciples did and say, God, save us. Save us. Lord, whatever that heartache is, whatever that issue is, we come to you and we say, God, we will trust you. Come on, as a sign of surrender across Tampa Bay, can we just lift a hand to heaven right now and say, God, we will trust you in the midst of the storm. We will trust you in the midst of our heartache. We come to you and we trust a God who can do the miraculous. Come on, let's sing it again. into lord we trust that you're making us stronger we're gonna have peace in the middle of it right now we submit ourselves to your calling and your plan over our lives in jesus name we pray every eye closed every head bowed there's one more group and it goes back to that first question i asked at the beginning of the message are you following jesus you haven't followed the crowd i've been kind of in and out but are you truly totally dedicated following him this is your moment to surrender your life to Christ. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to throw that hand up. I want you to wave it at me, put it right back down. This is your day of surrender, saying, today's my day. I'm going all in with Jesus. I'm telling you, might end up going through some storms, but I'm telling you, it's going to be a storm of the purpose. There's something on the other side. And as long as Jesus is in your boat, you're taken care of. 
that's you on the count of three, throw that hand up. Say, today's my day, Aaron. I'm giving my life to Christ. One, two, three. Come on, throw those hands up. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you all the way in the back. Thank you at Brandon. Those in St. Pete in North Tampa. Those in Clearwater, West Chase, Heights. Come on, wave it at me, put it right back down. I want everybody to pray this prayer. I'm telling you, the prayer is not what saves you. It's the posture of your heart to say, I'm going all in. I'm surrendering my life to Christ. The Spirit's drawing you. You feel that. I want everybody to pray it out loud. Say, dear Jesus. Come on, say it loud. Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I surrender to you. Forgive my sin, my past, my present, and my future. And for the rest of my life, I'm going to follow you. Be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that believes it says, can we celebrate Jesus? Come on, church. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.